podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. I'm Sam Keir, host of Hitman for Hire, a year in the life of a franchise cricketer. For the past 12 months, I've been talking to T20 star David Visa, getting his take from behind the scenes at the IPL, the 100 and the rest of the world's biggest leagues. That's the Donnelly view system deal. There's no <laughs> ways in my mind that was up. These guys don't know how to win at this stage. He had his driver pick him up in his Bentley. People start chanting your name. You kind of have to pinch yourself. Hitman for Hire, a year in the life of a franchise cricketer. Listen now, wherever you get your podcasts. Sport Social. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. At Discount Tire, we know your time is valuable. Get 30% shorter average wait time when you buy and book online. Did you know Discount Tire now sells wiper blades? Check out our current deals at DiscountTire.com or stop in and talk to an associate today. Discount Tire. Let's get you taken care of. This week on The Marketer's Report, Patrizio Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct-to-Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on building trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy. And we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. As the number one audio company, iHeart Media gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the data you need to grow. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. to a Celtic state of mind it's 12.30 on a Thursday afternoon I'm Paul John Dykes and I'm joined by my cohorts John Paul Mason and Declan McConville how are you doing after last night guys? Yeah still still not recovered fully after that horror show but um, it was done a long time ago Paul so it's just getting these last uh, three games out the road and just ending the misery you know, when I think back, um, there's an interesting number above JP's right shoulder, 89. Um, I, I think back to that as a year, but obviously that's 89 days to our first fixture, Champions League qualifier, JP, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is. And, you know, alongside that is your Panini album. Is that also from 1989? Yeah, no, 88. 88. I had the 89 one as well, but uh, that, that's parents somewhere, and I, I, I regret that. It bit the dust. 89 days. So that, this is what it's all about. We, we ran a headline just the other day there in relation to when will Dominic Mackay come out and speak to the Celtic fans? When will he address the fans? And I, I got involved in a discussion which I decided not to continue because, you know, that type of discussion, Declan, particularly on Twitter, where it, it really is like banging your head against the wall. And this was a discussion around the fact that uh, we are awaiting an address for so many different reasons. The first one is that if he's in place, he's now part of Celtic. 
So don't continue the problems that uh, have befallen us this season, one of which is a lack of engagement. So that was the big point. Um, it wasn't a one-hour discussion, I've got to say, on that one point. But isn't it about time we got something from the club, some form of communication that isn't a pre-match or a post-match press conference on the YouTube channel? I think it's just a, a looming worry that season ticket forms are going to be expected very soon. The league is over. There's nothing to play for. The Scottish Cup's done. So, you know, why not come and talk to us and tell us what, what the plan is and what's happening? I know the club can't fully tell us every ins and outs, but some sort of plan and in place of, of, you know, where we're going here because that number behind JP is daunting and it's worrying for all of us because Champions League qualification in terms of a season, whoever's going to be managing the club is going to be imperative to to have a kickstart in the season and finances recovering from COVID. So I think it is about time Celtic come and talk to us like adults and tell us what's happening. We will get um, embroiled, I think is the right word, in that discussion as the, the bulletin goes on, JP. But the, the argument was that why should he? Why should he come out and address us? Do you subscribe to that or do you think it's about time we started the channels of communication with the fans? I mean, it, it feels like they've got nothing to say at the moment. I, I, I don't, I don't think there's anything really to broadcast. Otherwise, surely to God, you know, it's like, I don't know, it's like if you've got news about, you know, something you want to tell people, whether it's about a, a tour happening or, um, you know, and something new coming out, you're, you're you're itching to tell people. And if they've got that news and and, and they're just sitting on it, then what? There's no reason why that would be the case. So. I don't think there's anything to say yet. I think there's, there's still things obviously being finalised. Whether they're, they're weighing it up with the timing of the, the season ticket renewal announcement is, is definitely the same. But you do wonder if it's all just cam heads in, inside Celtic Park and all of us are just out, out in the, uh, in the outside just all panicking and worrying. Um, but we'll wait and see. Yeah, I mean, is no news good news, Declan? Do you agree with that, perhaps, what JP's um, alluding to there? Um, possibly, but it's went all quiet. Neddy Howe front after that kind of last announcement, saying that a deal wasn't close. A week or so has passed after that, so hopefully, it might be um, running a bit closer. So, possibly, no news is good news. But again, even just an outline of the actual plan going forward to where we're at, because there is so much to, to ponder at Celtic just now, not just in terms of management, in terms of players, in terms of. What's going to be happening next season? Of course, government guidelines um, aren't as clear as of yet when fans will be back in stadiums. We know we're going to have some sort of crowd at the, the Scotland opener against the Czech Republic. But um, going forward, I think it would be nice just to just some sort of communication, whether it be an email, a YouTube video, whatever, just something um, to, to talk to us. Because, you know, for everybody that's paid that money this season, they feel let down. Uh, again, People would say that's maybe only because we've lost the league that we feel let down. But I think when you do look at it from from both sides, that you know communication is key. But we've saw what's happened in the last couple of days with big owners coming out and, and talking to their fans. Yes, it, it wasn't right the situation they'd got themselves into. But your Cronkies and uh, John W. Henry at, at Liverpool came out, did a video. He was in the wrong. He's still in the wrong. But he came out and spoke to his fans. That was the right thing to do at that point in time. What he did wasn't the right thing to do. And it's a right thing to come out and talk to us now. 
I think it is. There's plenty to discuss today. We will be having a look back on last night's game. Yes, it's a dead rubber. Uh, yeah, actually, we didn't cover it in full. We discussed it at halftime and full time. And um, I'll, we'll talk about the kind of aftermath of that, the backlash from some quarters um, because we had the audacity to speak about the women's game instead. Um, how they did last night. A couple of the Axon pundits were watching women's football for the first time. And they were very honest about it. And it was uh, an interesting experience uh, watching that game. We'll also be talking about some of the, the kind of views in and around the, the team line that was chosen, some of the personnel, um, what you could have won in terms of some players that, you know, maybe should have been playing before they are now. And also the Scott Brown stroke Lewis Ferguson uh, conundrum, which uh, I'm quite interested in looking at as well. And a few, and a few other things, because obviously we do have another Rangers game coming up. And um, it's all about that professional pride. JP, you'll remember as well as myself, the amount of times that final game against Rangers meant pretty much nothing other than regaining a wee bit of pride. We've been here, uh, but it's been some time since we've been here, hasn't it? Oh, it used to be the game where we'd always win. <laughs> it meant nothing. Uh, we'd always punk them uh, in the 90s when it meant nothing. And you're just like, well, why, why couldn't they have done that earlier on in the season? But... Uh, Last night, I, I hit a, I, I think I hit a football nadir. I just, I think it was just a, a, everything about last night's game. The fact that you know it would have been a trip up to Petardji. The last time I was at Petardji was when Tierney scored and ran right down the, the touchline and celebrated in front of the fans. And um, I know that was a couple of seasons ago now, but you know you just think about the, you, you just miss that banter on the bus and you know just the, the, the you know getting back late at night you know having a few uh, sherbets or whatever on, on, on the bus or even up there when you get to Aberdeen if you've got time to go to a pub and one of my favourite pubs in Aberdeen has just announced it's closing the illicit still I don't know if you've ever been there do you know, do you know that pub? I've never been no so the, the, the usual boozer at Petodi is the one when you drive in that's that one of the corner I can't remember the name of it but um, that's where the maniacs go we chose the list somewhere a little bit more uh, a little bit more I don't want to say highbrow because it wasn't highbrow but it was just a bit more of a kind of pub lunch kind of vibe and you know there was you, know, you, get, a, you get a dinner and, and just get steaming before the game but, but last night I was just like this is you know football's continuing and you can't go to the cinema you can't go to a gig you can't go on a date. You can't go and sit in your friend's house. But you can sit and watch a football game in an empty stadium. And it just, it's just like a constant reminder of a, a time that, that, that we can't experience at the moment. And, and when you're watching your team play badly, it doesn't, it doesn't help things. It doesn't help matters. Um, so even if we went up there and absolutely battered them 5-0 last night, I don't really think I could have got enjoyment out of it or excitement because at the end of the day, it just feels like... It just feels like nothing. And then you see us losing a goal like that. You know, John Joe Kenny gets absolutely, you know, done by Ferguson from that uh, set play. And, you know, that's it. There's like one nil down, we're like, oh, here we go again. And then we had to rely on a last, well, not even last minute, last second goal from Lee Griffiths to get a, to get a point. And I know it keeps our unbeaten run going at Petodji, but that, that means nothing. I mean, let's talk about Lee Griffiths. He's been in and amongst the conversation all season uh, for various reasons, Declan. And, you know, I'm thinking back to the Celtic career of Griffiths. He's only 30. 
Now, we're in an age where, you know, it wasn't that long ago that once you hit 30, you kind of thought the player's career was on a downward kind of spiral, the downward trajectory. But these days, as long as you watch what you're doing, 30 is fine. You can play to 34, 35. You look at some of the greatest players in European or even world football at the moment, and they're in their 30s. You know, some of them are well into this. Look at Ibrahimovic. You know, the man's a monster, an absolute monster. I mean, a wee bit further back, even look at Ryan Giggs. He was playing Champions League football in his 40s, which is astonishing. So, first and foremost, I would look at Lee Griffiths and say, right, he hasn't done himself any favours this season. But when he comes on, and there's a couple of uh, players I would mention in this kind of respect, he comes on and reminds you of what you could have had. All season, it was that it was like that Jim Bowen thing. Here's what you could have had, JP, and it's a big boat, a speed, boat. A, a big speedboat that you don't even have a driveway for. But cheers <laughs> anyway. And here's what you could have won. <laughs> exactly. Aye. So these these are the situations where you, you, there's a tinge of regret for me because you think, and people might be saying in the comments, and let us know what you think in the comments section if you're watching on Twitter, Facebook, or YouTube. Uh, you know, shut up about Lee Griffiths. The the, the ship has sailed. All these kind of things and I totally get that I do because we speak about him a lot it gives you a little taster then he disappears again it gives you a little taster then something else happens off the park and that's kind of been um, you know Lee Griffiths' career over the last few years and I was thinking when did he perform for us when did he perform probably I would suggest in Lenny's first tenure I thought he was he, he, he performed well for Celtic uh, and then of course he had his purple patch under Ronnie Dyla didn't he and that's when he scored his uh, mammoth uh, amount of goals 40, 40 in a season now five years ago um, but what he reminds you of when he comes on and he does what he did last night Declan or what he done up at McDermott is what you're missing this is what you could have had so I was looking at some of the comments this morning in the press uh, and one of them from David Proven and I know that he divides opinion, but I tend to agree with this. I actually tend to agree with this. I've been on the, the Griffiths bus and off it as many times as I've been on the Eddie Howe bus and off it this season. Uh, what he says is, you know, he is still, arguably, the best striker in Scottish football. So first and foremost, Declan, you know, there's going to again be people who disagree with that. Would you agree with that? Um, I think in the penalty area, there is very few deadlier strikers. Um, but I think the two big words for me with Lee Griffiths call it, uh, Paul is professionalism and consistency mm-hmm. and in, uh, we'll go back to this you're saying that what we could have had in what was the biggest season in Celtic's history at the start of the season he let us down and for me I don't think there's any coming back from that it, you know he came on on Sunday and he was itching he won the penalty probably should have taken the penalty he came on last night and he's bagged himself a goal but I think Kevin Graham in the chat summed it up last night perfectly, saying that um, the goal and the cross in was like looking busy at half past four on a Friday afternoon at work. <laughs> it's done. So, you know, obviously there's a European Championship coming on. I'm sure Lee yeah. Griffiths will try and make his stake for Stevie Clark's team. But I just think in this, the terms of this season, even if a new manager does come in, are you going to get a consistently performing professional? Lee Griffiths, people will argue a new manager comes in, he'll get a tune out of him. But for me, this season, he's let the club down, he's let the supporters down, and I just don't think there's going to be any coming back from that for a lot of people. Well, it is an interesting conversation because there's not much of what you've said there, Declan, that I could disagree with. Um, but I'm looking also, and this will come up 
later on in the conversation when we get into the nitty gritty of the Aberdeen game. I actually think, and I, I predicted at the beginning of the season, um, maybe not the way that um, it might on on kind of uh, ravel, but I did predict that. Hibs, and this isn't me giving Jack Ross a glowing report for a future Celtic position, but I did predict that Hibs would be in the top three and actually said they might even be second in the league. Now, we're moving into a, a, a kind of a period of real upheaval at Celtic, a massive transition of staff all across the board from top to bottom. I mean, we, we focus a lot on, on what's happening um, on the park. Of course we do. But, I mean, this is boardroom. This is all the different departments within within Celtic. There's a whole uh, transitional period upcoming. And you wonder, and the question's been asked, how long is that going to take? How long is that pendulum going to be swinging Ibrox way? Um, what if it does take another 12 to 18 months and, you know, a player like Lee Griffiths goes to a club like Hibs because people think because he's a Hibby and he's an ex-Hibs player that that could be a destination for him. And in actual fact, it might be a good fit for him. Um, that's not to say that you take it as a given that Jack Ross wants him at Hibs. But we could lose a player like that who could do a pretty good job elsewhere where whereby we're actually struggling for goals next season. We're maybe trying to bed in new strikers. So I'm thinking about it on as many levels as possible, JP. And I'm starting to come round to the way thinking that, depending on who the manager is, of course, and what they want and who they want when they come into Celtic, could you, could you see a, a situation, JP, where a manager comes in and, and he actually looks at that as a challenge and thinks, I can turn this round. He's got the ability. I just need to tap into the state of mind, as it were. And I could get a, a, another season or two out of Lee Griffiths. I, I was just thinking exactly the same thing as you came to your conclusion and your point there. And if, we, if we, we're, in a, we're going to be in a position potentially in the summer where there's going to be a lot of players that want to leave the club. Mm. We're, 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 no one's actually come out directly and said, I want to leave, I see myself playing elsewhere. Of course, they're not going to do that and cut their nose off to spite their faces. But Neil Wennon said it in a press conference and, and then made us question all of those players. Yeah. Basically, the entire squad that were then put under the spotlight as to who's the, who are the players that want to go. So we've never, we've never actually known, so it's been guesswork all the way through. I would imagine Lee Griffiths is not one of them because I think... You know, Russell talks a lot about players knowing that this is the biggest club they'll ever play for. Mm. Lee Griffiths definitely knows that at this point in his career that he'll not play for a bigger club than, than Glasgow Celtic uh, at this point. And arguably, you could go back and say, well, at the start of his career, he'll never play for a bigger club than Glasgow Celtic. So um, if Lee Griffiths is, is of a mind that he wants to, to stay, which I think he will be, and the manager, like you said, wants to keep him, then I think it would be absolute madness to let him go based on... You know, oh well, he didn't do this and he didn't do that. You know, he wasn't a professional at the start of the season. I get that. I agree with you. I'm not saying that that's not to be considered, but it should be uh, clean slates for everybody um, coming in, uh, coming in the door. And you know, regardless of what you think about Christopher Iyer or whatever, you know, I know people don't, you know, rate him or whatever. It should be the manager's decision as to what what they what they think. Mm. And then, and it's up to the manager then to mould them into the player that he thinks he can get out of them. And you, like you said, you could get something out of Lee Griffiths. And, and I would hate to think that we, we'd let Lee Griffiths go, like we're letting Bruni go, and then we are struggling in the, in the midst of a rebuild and yeah. a, a, a continuing pandemic. 
Yes, the, the thing, the point you make there in relation to when we get to that point, and, and there's an element of hindsight, of course there is. There's an element of hindsight here. But we get to the point where a manager comes in and certain players are surplus to requirements. Now, I think in the past, and I'm, I'm thinking about Craig Gordon and, and Mika Lustig, for example, right? And a big part of that um, is down to, and Samaras, if you want to go further back, it's not down to the manager. Um, exclusively it's down to the contract situation it's down to the club saying right I would much rather use those funds elsewhere if they have an option on Sumunovic and they don't take up the option and then we struggle for a centre half all season we have uh, the option to to keep uh, Lustig we let him go and we've never replaced him at right back since you know, people might say Frimpong. You know, I don't think Frimpong's best qualities were as a defender in terms of being a right back. Um, and we continue to have a problem at right back because we've got Joe Kenny sitting playing there at the moment. And we've gone through a few others, you know, uh, Toyan being another, uh, Bauer being another. And Craig Gordon being another kind of example I would use where you know their capabilities. Now, they guys, obviously, Simunovic had the injury issues. We know that. Uh, Lustig wasn't as mobile as he had been. Um, but, uh, you know, he left Celtic. I don't think he had a great spell at um, where he went, but he's still an international footballer and getting caps at that point. And you think, well, maybe he would have been good backup. Maybe he would have been a good influence in the dressing room, Lustig I'm talking about. Perhaps by keeping him, we don't have to buy um, a backup centre-half because Lustig's played there for Sweden. And so we had all these discussions. Although there's an element of hindsight, we did have these discussions. The other big one was Craig Gordon. You know, surely he would have been at least a good backup for Celtic. But, you know, we let him go and that, that's what's happened. I can just see the same scenario with Griff. And although I agree with, with Declan and I've spoken about it this season... You know, you wanted everybody to be firing on all cylinders. Griffiths hasn't been fit. A lot of others have checked out uh, mentally. They're just not at it. And that's a big thing, JP, because you like to think as Celtic supporters that everybody is as passionate about that team and that badge and wearing that jersey as what we are. But I think this season's been a stark reminder, particularly with the comments by uh, Neil Lennon. That's not the case. And, and we got to that point where we're at the end of the cycle with too many players. So if you've got three or four of them not firing on all cylinders, that's a problem. If you've got one and he's a bad egg and you move him on, that's fine. I mean, we've had that in the past, haven't we? Players that didn't want to be at Celtic, Viduka. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Decario, it gets to that point, so you move them on. One or two, I think you can almost manage. If it's four, five, or even half a dozen, then you've got an issue, and that's what Celtic had this season. But there is one thing about Griffiths. Yeah, his attitude's been wrong this season, but I don't think, you're right, JP, I don't think he's the guy that that would be uh, whipping up issues in the dressing room. In terms of cliques, you know, Cameron Harper spoke about cliques, Declan at Celtic Park. I don't think that Griffiths is part of that. He knows that this is the biggest club he's ever going to play for. And I think that, you know, if, I, if someone came in, it could breathe new life into him. Uh, the big thing for me, of course, is we've, all, we've already um, kind of announced that, that Clamalla is on his way. Kennedy conceded that when he was asked the other week. Clamalla's on his way. Thankfully, we're getting money for him. Um, Eduard will be on his way I think the last two performances have been two of his worst of the season if I'm going to be honest um, so that does leave us with a, an issue up front it leaves us with issues all over the park actually but up front Lee Griffiths Albion Ayeti and potentially Bayo if he comes back so you're looking at that and I just think would we not be better the devil you know I, I, I would much if you look at the, the value of him 
um, if we were to sell him. I mean, we'd need to sign him first for that extra year, Declan, before getting a fee for him. Otherwise, he goes in a free transfer. And I just think that, you know, better the devil, you know, give him that year and um, hopefully the, 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 the switch will be flicked in his, his mind. And again, people might think, well, Paul, we've tried that. He's played under numerous managers. He's not doing it. It all depends on the gaffer coming in for me. So it's an interesting one. But on that point, Ayeti was missing last night. He was apparently injured. He'll be fit for the Rangers game. Um, will we get a tune out with guys like that? Is it time to just clear the decks, Declan, and say, well, in actual fact, we'll have a completely different forward line next season? I think one of the things to remember for in Griffiths and Ayeti's defence is in terms of spoke inconsistency, they're not a consistent run of games in the team. Yep. I know that was when Ayeti scored at Rugby Park, it was his first goal since the end of September, but I think he'd only played something like 290 minutes football in that time. So for a striker, they, they do need game time. They won't always come off the bench. Again, something else in some of the strikers' defences, the shape has constantly changed this season. We've went from 3-5-2s to 4-2-3-1s to 4-4-2 diamonds. So, you know, I've been playing a left winger up front for a lot of time. So I think on shape, you know, for some of them, there's a bit of a, you know, a leeway that you could give there. But for me, whenever a new manager comes in, I think one of the issues we've had with Craig Gordon, with Jozo, is that we've not had the covering before we've let the player go. Mm. So um, on Griff, depending on whether we can get the covering and, and change it, then I would let him go. But if we don't, then I would probably more be on the side of keeping them if we, if we don't replace him because I think that's been one of the problems that we did like Craig Gordon go we still had obviously Scott Bain and Connor Hazard in the building Foster doesn't come in we bring in Barkey does it work out at all when we end up playing Scott Bain who would have been second choice to Craig Gordon third choice in the the, uh, in the goalkeeper pack last season so I think for me it's replacing them um, again you know if you were going to see Griffiths didn't play for us and you were looking at him to buy for next season if you looked at him this season you probably wouldn't touch him so you know maybe we're being a wee bit too nice thinking about the past but again I, I can see arguments on both sides but for me it's about colour consistency and whether we are going to get 100% out of him My biggest concern JP about Griffiths is the Anthony Stokes scenario you know he leaves Celtic and his career falls off the edge of a cliff you know Stokes is, doesn't even have a club well, you know, it, It's interesting you bring that up because I was listening to Scream Celica this morning uh, from a couple of weeks ago, I'm, I'm a bit behind in my Screamer Celica editions, but it was the one where they were talking about uh, Anthony Stokes, and uh, Kev was talking about a lot of the strikers at that time who are all of a similar age, and a lot of them are without clubs. Like Mo Bangura doesn't have a club. That might not surprise a lot of people, but um, somebody else, one of the other strikers doesn't have a club either, um, and, and Anthony Stokes is one of them, hasn't had, I think he's played something like, did you say he's played something like 16 games yeah. uh, in, in the last however many seasons? And that's over, you know, five or six clubs. It was a bizarre yeah. scenario, and what a talent! And I, and I know he's had off the field problems as well, mm. but I just think sometimes that um, a manager can come along and just tap into the psyche of certain players and turn them round uh, and again it's all left spots and maybes because we don't know who the manager is but I would love to see some kind of resurrection there because there's been going to be so many changes that you need some element of consistency through the team you do need an element of consistency now some of the, the comments that are coming in just now let's have a look at them because it's on the headline would a British Super League involve in Celtic reek of hypocrisy great word that reek um, and the thing with that 
for me, JP, is it's been the biggest story in world football all week in relation to the European Super League. And we've been we've been following the story like everybody else. And we actually did ask the question yesterday around, you know, does this slam the door shut on Celtic playing their football outside of Scotland? Now it divides opinion, uh, even amongst the, the Axon kind of team. And I've I've been pretty clear in my view that I think in order for Celtic to maximise their potential as a club, and let's start using words like brand, because obviously those um, those with the controlling stakes in the club want to enhance the brand for uh, commercial reasons. Then we've got to do it elsewhere, and a big part of that is because of the stitch up of the Champions League, the way that you know you win your league and there's no guarantee you'll get into this Champions League, um, and there's a whole separate hypocrisy around that as well but you know we've covered all the different um, avenues that Celtic have looked at in the past and one of the biggest ones for me because it came a wee bit out of left field when I was speaking to one of our guests probably about a year ago JP you remember and he was talking about the Wimbledon deal that Celtic were trying to do uh, whereby Wimbledon were up for sale Sam Hamam was the guy selling the club. I think they were valued at forty million or fifty million. Celtic had them valued. Celtic Football Club had Wimbledon valued, and that included all their players, everything. And the plan, obviously, was to to uh, use it almost like a Trojan horse to get Celtic into the league. The changing, the, yeah, the, the changing of the names, <laughs> the changing of the names, the changing of the registered address. Next thing you know, Celtic are in the English league, and they tested the water by uh, obviously buying a Scottish football club in Clyde Bank. It was and trying to get them into the Irish league to test. And obviously, regulations came in in '98 to prevent any club from doing that uh, and that was after the World Cup in 1998 so that's where we were we then had a very interesting discussion a number of discussions with David Lowe financial expert who basically said that all bets are off because of where we are in terms of the, the pandemic and how that's going to affect leads, uh, leagues rather financially so that was at the beginning of the season and now all this time later we've had the collapse of the Super League but the English clubs aren't happy with that so they want to do something else and they want to strengthen their league. And the chat is once again, JP, that they're looking at Celtic and Rangers. They know the the value of the brand. They know that uh, we've got these massive fan bases, etc. And it will come down to money. Of course it will. So I've got to ask you the question, JP. We've spent all week going on about football without fans is nothing. You've seen the banners outside the stadiums down south, traitors and all this kind of stuff, right, against the Super League. What happens is, you know, what happens if, if Celtic are invited, um, not on merit, but on the size of the fan base and, and the, the possibility of taking that brand into a different league? How would you react to that? How would you honestly react to that yourself, JP? I'd be disgusted. I think it would be the same reaction as, as you've seen down there. It's ripping up history. It's ripping up, uh, you know, credibility as well. I'd, I'd, it's, it's absolutely not for me and if you're going to go further down the line the fact that it would be a British Super League mm. what happens if and when Scotland gets independence would we want to be in part of a British would we want Celtic and Rangers to be part of well, I'm sure Rangers would want to be part of it but would Celtic want to be part of a, of a British, British <laughs> Super League um, no and and, I, and and that that more than anything um completely puts me off the idea 
my, I let my mind to go down the path of would it be great? Wouldn't it be great to start at the bottom of the English <laughs> of the English tier and the and the sort of do the do the the, the so called Rangers journey, but down there and uh, and you know go through all that and, and I, I kind of like the idea about that, but then you, you quickly shut the door on that in your head because it's absolute nonsense. Um, and I think if it was ever going to be anything that involved you know, so, uh, sort of Scotland and England playing each other, I think some sort of League of Nations Cup or something like that with, you know, decent TV, TV money behind it in place of the League Cup perhaps or, or as a separate cup or something. I don't know. It's up, up to them to come up with something a bit more meaningful and realistic, but not us just going in at the top and just entering in, you know, to, to, the, to a British Super League. It sounds... It sounds uh, doesn't sound right to me. I think there's got to be some way of uh, of doing something maybe different, but not that. The mere suggestion Declan has obviously resulted in a bit of a backlash down south. There's been a lot of the uh, prominent pundits coming out saying no chance. In fact, Jonathan Woodgate uh, said absolutely not. You're not going to jump the queue uh, like what JP says there. You know, um, starting at the bottom of a pyramid and working your way through. It's kind of similar argument with the Colts, and obviously clubs aren't happy with that. What's your thoughts on it? Would that just reek of hypocrisy? We've been talking all week about how um, these fat cats. You know they don't engage with fans. They don't know what we want, and then all of a sudden, Celtic. You know the reason I'm saying it is I do get the sense that there is something in the works. You know Dermot Desmond announces that we're no longer in the talks for the the Transatlantic League, and and as soon as he said that, you start wondering: Is there something else in the works here? Could this be what it is? And if so, I'm going to ask you two things: a two pronged question here. Do you think Celtic as a club? would go for it, Declan, and would you buy into it as a fan? Um, I think it does wreak a hypocrisy. I think it's just another capitalist money-making venture that um, people would look to. Um, as a fan, again, with the European Super League, you know, me and JP, we, we favoured Manchester United and the other day I was disgusted and, and thought if they actually do go through with this, I don't think I could have continued to to actually back the club Um and I felt sorry for their own supporters. So, you know, I, I think if we were put in that position, I don't know how I would feel because it, it would just feel as if it was, you know, I, I would feel as if I'd been betrayed a bit. Um, again, if this ever was to come into play, I, I think you would really need the full support of the Celtic supporters to, to do it. I certainly wouldn't want it just being a, a board-placed agreement to go and join us. I think you would need to listen to the views of the fans if there was a majority of Celtic supporters buying into it, then maybe. Um, I could maybe take that on board if the, the fans wanted it. But As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. This week on The Marketer's Report, Patrizio Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, direct-to-consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on building trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy, and we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the data you need to grow. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Um, no, not for me. I, I know even in terms of travel, like Glasgow to London, Southampton, whatever, 
think from top to bottom of Germany is about seven to ten hours drive. So in terms of that, you'd be looking at that at size. But I, again, in my politics, I'm a person that wants to break away from Britain, not continue to lap it up. So uh, it's a thumbs down from me. Now, Feed the Bear comes in. Welcome back, Feed the Bear. Roy Aiken in that picture, JP, is probably only about 27. That's frightening, <laughs> eh? But if you think about it, you know, that's the centenary jersey he's got on. Yeah, he looks about as, as old as my dad. That's the sticker from that album. That's the <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, Feed the Bear, good afternoon, everybody. Hope you're all well. And good afternoon to you. And the dude abides any opportunity to bring you up on the screen. Of course, it's hypocrisy. But in terms of the development of Celtic, it's a useful hypocrisy. That's what I'm asking you, Declan. I think two-pronged. Would the club be interested? Yeah, I think they definitely would. Um, would the fans, I think you would see big, big scenes uh, like we've been seeing all week uh, around Scottish, uh, sorry, English football in relation to the traditions and the heritage of Celtic Football Club. Uh, but again, did I listen to the fans? Are they all that interested? You've seen the backlash in England um, but again, there's also the, the, the view that uh, it was all really a tactical thing, so they got their, their, their way anyway when it came to UEFA competition. So we'll see how that one kind of pans out. Jake Ryan on YouTube. If anyone's watching on YouTube, thanks for getting involved in a Celtic state of mind. We're here every day. Uh, subscribe to the channel. It's all free. There's a glass ceiling to what Celtic can achieve in the SPL. Agreed. We will never progress in Europe while playing in Scotland. Currently, I agree with that. If we were in the Premiership, the potential would be limitless. Um, I think the key to that would be uh, the merit, JP. It's all about merit, isn't it? Sport is merit-based. And if you cheat or if you take drugs and you try and achieve something without merit, that's where it all falls down. And I just think when we're looking at this scenario where you're picking, hand-picking teams and saying, I want you, you and you, that's not football. That's not what you've bought into as a fan since you were a wee boy watching Celtic in 1988, is it? Well, you say that, but um, one club did manage to do that for a sustained period of time and uh, did get away with it. And that's just kind of forgotten right now, isn't it? But um, no, I, 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 I just, I don't like, I don't like sort of, uh, I don't like, you know, going in somewhere, you know, under under a under a mask, I'd rather go. I'd rather be able to like, walk through the front door and be like, like this is what this is what's happening. I just, I don't, it just seems a bit cloak and dagger to me. I, I, it just doesn't it doesn't sit well with me. And uh, as much as you know, people in the comments will probably like the idea of a change and you know saying, oh, we'll never progress in Europe if if, if we don't you know go to the Premier League. We'll never progress in Europe if we waste keep wasting money on project signings and uh, ending up playing European qualifiers with near Beaton and you know a, a youth product and, and a, a centre half. You know, it, it, the, the, the club has to be managed better. And you know, I'm sorry to, to to shine the light on the other side of the city, but I mean they they progressed into the the last 32, and then am I wrong in saying this? Within the last 16. Did they get to the last 16? Was that the last 16 they were in when they got knocked out by... I'm going to say, yeah, JP, but that's, that is just... That I'm speculating because I, I genuinely don't pay much attention to, to Rangers. So, way, they got further yeah. than us. They won their group. They got further than us. I, I think, you know, you, you, look, you, look, you look inwards rather than outwards when you're talking about progressing in Europe. Mm-hmm. And uh, nobody would have given us a hope in hell of winning our Europa League group with Lazio and... Uh, 
can't remember the other teams that were in it, to be honest, off the top of my head. But Cluj and Reigns. Cluj and Reigns. Like, when that draw was made, nobody was telling us we were winning that group. We won the group. I mean, we won it comfortably uh, with a game to spare. So, you know, that no one was talking about, oh, well, because we're not in England or anything like that, you know, or in, in the Premiership. I, I, I don't subscribe to the idea that, you know, if, unless we move leagues, we're not going to do well in Europe ever again. I mean, of course, we're, the, the likelihood of us ever winning the, the, the Champions League is <laughs> so slim. I mean, you look at the, the closed shop that is the semi-finals right now, Chelsea, Man City, PSG and Real Madrid. It's just like, that, that's disgusting to me, but that's what it is. The thing is, though, JP, I think we had a, a real opportunity um, over the, the nine years of domination in Scottish football to put right a lot of the things we've done so, so wrong. Uh, the two big things, obviously, recruitment. You know, it's been shambolic. It really has been shambolic. The amount of money we've wasted, you can go even further back than the nine years that we're referring to. And the youth system. You know, we don't have a crop of youth players to speak of that are coming through. They, they come in in dribs and drabs and we're, we're, we should have the the pick of the best and, and even more so in the last nine years. What have we got to show for that after nine years of the domination? Nothing. No Absolutely nothing. No Scottish strikers. <laughs> it's, like, it's like somebody said, oh, like, when you were at school, the one thing that you wanted to do was play up front and score goals mm-hmm. so you'd think that there would be an absolute you know multitude of, uh, of, of of young Scottish strikers who are like wanting to do better than the next guy and yet we haven't produced any of that I know to me is absolutely baffling it is and you know people might point out that two of our uh, you know pivotal members of this team were, were youth products I get that but where's the next batch because these guys you know James Forrest and Callum McGregor are moving into their kind of late 20s uh, Welsh I, I've been banging a drum about Welsh all season but he was thrown in um, you know under circumstances that weren't ideal and that was after we had gone out and bought and bought and bought before him you know, we'd brought, we'd brought in these players before him. We'd brought in Duffy on loan on astronomical wages before Welsh. Uh, only when we were desperate did the boy get a game. I think he's been, uh, you know, for me, he's part of the first team squad next season. We do need to strengthen the centre half. Of course we do. Uh, but I think he should be in and around the first team squad next season. And I think he should get plenty of games. Um, but yeah, it's one of these situations where before you then start to look how to progress outside of Scottish football, make sure that what you're doing is being maximised first. <laughs> and we're not doing that. We're not doing that right. Um, so, so far from not being in order, it's unbelievable. So. Yeah, recruitment, um, when you're looking at the youth development, two massive things, fan engagement, huge, massive things that need to be sorted out before we can we can kind of look elsewhere. Now, interestingly enough, and this is a point that will be, I'm sure, coming up time and time again, Joy Division 61, uh, Belgium and the Netherlands are talking about joining together and they are two different countries. Yeah, uh, and the FA's obviously, that's more of a, an FA-led thing and in principle, uh, they've agreed to uh, uh, an amalgamation uh, of two leagues. So these changes that hitherto the, the lockdown probably would have seemed pretty left field, I think are going to become far more the norm going forward. And then you ask yourself the question, if, for example, uh, there is a deal on the table, but that deal is a Celtic and Rangers deal, uh, and Rangers go for it and you don't, 
you know so then you're looking at the business side of that as well it, it breeds so many kind of dilemmas I think from football supporters because you don't want will they even be your rivals because they're not going to be playing in the same league if you don't follow suit so it is very interesting it's the biggest story in world football uh, and eventually it's trickled into to Celtic it's trickled into the Axon Bulletin as well now another thing I would mention about last night um, I've been saying all season Declan Lewis Ferguson, I'd have him in a heartbeat. I think he looks like a player that's progressed so, so well since he went from Hamilton to Aberdeen. But I also think that he can make the step. And I'm saying the step up to Celtic. You know, the step up to Celtic as if, you know, we're lording it over Aberdeen at the moment. We're actually not. Uh, but in terms of the club, I think it is a step up from Aberdeen to Celtic. Um, with the departure of Scott Brown, do, would you yourself see Lewis Ferguson as a good addition to the Celtic squad? A few weeks ago, before Scott had announced his retire, uh, sorry, he was leaving to go to Aberdeen. I was a bit, you know, just be the whole background of Lewis Ferguson and and whatnot. But I thought he was decent last night. Um, he said another decent season. He's still young. He's still quite raw in terms that he could be developed further. And a uh, midfield trio next season of Callum McGregor, Lewis Ferguson, and David Turnbull. It'd be quite tasty. So. Um, at the right price again, but we've spoken so many times on this podcast about buying internally in the league. I think he is one of the league's best players out with um, Celtic and the other teams. So, yeah, if the price is right, I think I would probably go for him now. What are you talking for a player like um, Ferguson? I mean, we, we picked up Turnbull for a deal that was just over three million quid. Are we looking at the same kind of fee, do you think? I would say so. And uh, again, there's still, you know, the Griffiths chat that he could end up getting put on so it could actually be part of the deal so you, you don't know and you know with Scott Brown getting up there what not I, I think you know that kind of three million mark is where you'll be hitting it When you look at that situation JP and um, you know the question around are we actually because we're moving into this the realms of a complete overhaul uh, in this transitional period are we at risk do you think JP of you know, one of these clubs, and obviously looking at the league table, it would be Hibs, would be the obvious one, might actually split Celtic and Rangers. As in next season, you mean? Yeah. Or, I mean, who knows? I, I, I don't know how things are going to play out with, with fans coming back into the, the grounds. I know that we're allowed, uh, or they're allowing 12,000 to be back at Hampden, but that's with social distancing. The Kelvin Grove bandstand gigs were in July and August, Mm-hmm. Uh, they've been postponed to next year because they've obviously sold out some of them at 3,000 or 2,500 or whatever it is so they, they actually cannot do social distancing for them even if they wanted to because over, it would be oversold under the social distancing parameters so you like you, you then think to yourself when when are we going to see and you can come back we can watch this back at some point in the future when are we going to see a full house at Celtic Park when will that happen because that, that massively impacts financially, surely, on the club. I mean, I know, who knows what's going to happen with regards to the season ticket sales. Like, what are they going to say to us? For going how, they, how are they going to pitch it? I know. What are they going to pitch us? Because, you know, I don't think there's going to be the same uptake as there was before. No one's, especially on the back of this absolute, you know, yeah. catastrophe of a season. I, you know, I don't think you're going to have people just blindly going, here you go, there's 600 quid. And it can be no ambiguity in terms of added value. It needs to be, this is what you're getting. I know. It, it I know. needs to be pretty clear. 
I know, but it's the revenue that a match day generates as well. You know, the hospitality, as you mentioned before, the you know the catering and programs and all of that stuff. So that's all going to impact on what we've got the ability to spend, and not just us, by the way. Unless you know uh, those those people over the road keep uh, you know finding extra you know a couple of million in the at the bottom of their uh, the back of their couches or whatever. How how that is going to not affect Rangers and, and it will affect us? I don't think so. It's going to affect all the whole of Scottish football. Um, so how we can afford to buy players going forward? It's not going to be a case of going out and shelling out, you know, five million on a Yeti and five million in Barcast and everything else. So we have to be uh, prudent and cute in our transfers. If Lewis Ferguson wants to come to Glasgow Celtic, I take him tomorrow because he's Scottish. He's got dig, he's got talent. He should have scored a second goal last night, by the way. That, that was a goal. Yep. That's that. But um, I don't think, and his, his uncle has been on record the same. It wouldn't matter to him about the fact that he's playing for Celtic. He's, he said, he's already said on record that he's, uh, he would play for Celtic. Mm. And I wouldn't have any issues with the fact that he's got, his name's Ferguson. Doesn't bother me. You know, uh, it would be going against the traditions of the club if you had any issue with that. Um, you know, if I go back to McGrain, Doug Leash, Steen, Scott Brown. You know, there are others. Yeah, there's there's loads of others, and you're right. Uh, if the boy can do a job, then that's what I, I'm interested I in. I don't want to see him go down to England for for three, four million quid, and then in two seasons' time be worth ten, fifteen. I'm not saying that's going to happen, but. I don't see us signing Lewis Ferguson as a gamble. I don't see us signing Lewis Ferguson as a, uh, you know, Maca- uh, Mubarak, what's his name? I'm doing a Kev here. Um, Wacaso. Wacaso, Mubarak Wacaso. Um, I, I, I can't see him being like that. You know, I think he'll give us he'll give us performances and he'll give us probably a, a sell-on value as well. Yeah, uh, you look at some of the players that we could have had in, in similar positions in terms of James McCarthy, for example, yeah. uh, and, and of course, <laughs> and of course, John McGinn. Right, and these are guys we could have picked up um, for a, a, a snip for a club like Celtic, and they've gone down to England, they've done exactly what everybody knew they were going to do. Mm. You know, McGinn scored again against you know Spurs at the nine. You're looking at the the quality of that boy. We all seen the quality. I mean, we seen the quality of McGinn when he was at Saint Mirren, yeah, before he went to Hibs. And then you know McCarthy's a classic example. The minute they go down there, JP, and they start making that kind of money, they're out of our price range. We can never bring them back up to Scotland, you know. And I just think that there are certain players. I think Turnbull was in that that bracket. Had he gone down south, he would have been an absolute revelation. Maybe not this season. Um, and I, I do feel. Com- Completely different type of player in Ferguson, but I do feel that there's a situation here that we will regret it if we don't go in and uh, make an offer for a player like Ferguson. There's an interesting point coming through, a couple of interesting points. Facebook, first of all, uh, welcome to the show. I can't see who is making this comment, but you ask why not Cardiff and Swansea playing in the English League? Well, yeah, they do. The reasons for that and them being allowed to do that are completely different because it was all to do with the historical uh, travel arrangements, believe it or not, when you go back to when they were admitted into the English League. Um, there was big changes in 98, like we said before, after the World Cup, after all the high hegens got together and decided we can't have cross-border um, uh, transfers of clubs. Uh, so that put the kibosh on it. 
Um, but as we said at the beginning of the show, with everything that's happening um, in relation to the financial element of of the sport, all bets are off. Things will be changed and uh, moves will be made. The other point that's coming in from Granite Scotland, the total debt of all 12 Super League clubs was sitting at $7.4 billion. So you can see that... But th- this then brings up the, the question, JP, you've just been talking about season tickets. Is it going to be a tough sell for next season? Absolutely, because we don't know when we're getting back. Mm. And then, of course, when we do, what's going to happen, and this will, this will be out of the club's hands, is it will be fans from within a radius of Celtic Park. You know, mm. so guys like me, I don't live in Glasgow. I'll, I'll be at the end of the queue. Me and uh, JP's all right then. You so. two are all right. You know, we deck and, and JP are fine. So these situations, you, you know, fans, a lot of fans won't invest. So it's a massive, massive uh, push and it's a hard, it's going to be a hard sell. So we might be in a situation, JP, like you hinted at just a few moments ago, where financially, if a deal was then put on the table to go to a league, mm. uh, and what is, what is the uh, consequences of not taking it? Mm. That could be like a, you know, a gun to your head for a football club um, survival against you know the riches of another league do you think it might get to that situation well survival or uh, or massive downsizing you know massive downsizing uh, that, that, that's almost unthinkable to think about Celtic or Rangers for that matter having to basically sell all their players and rely on you know you know, shopping of players and around about the one, two million mark or whatever. Do you know what I mean? And the idea of a five million pound player would seem almost absurd. And um, I would hate to think we would ever be in that position. And I really, really hope that we're not. And I hope that things move on uh, in the next six months to a year that that bring us back to that point where we're all at the games and everything's in the past, and we're, we're looking back at these days. And you know, relieved that we're shot of them. And um, by the way, I, I take no, uh, you know, satisfaction from being in a Glasgow postcode because I, I you know, I, I used to travel to the games from Edinburgh, and so I, I, I would, I would feel pretty uncomfortable at being, you know, I wouldn't be smug and walk, walking into the games thinking, oh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm great, I'm here, and other people aren't. I, I would, I would. Hate that, that that was that was what was defining your ability to go to a game was where you stayed because people travel from Ireland, people mm. travel from England. I used to sit next to a guy that travelled up from Lincoln for all the home games. Um, great guy, and uh, you know I, I, he was a season ticket holder just the same as me. You know, it just happened that I lived in Scotland and he lived in England. So um, yeah, I, I really hope that that gun to the head scenario is never ever put in front of us. No, absolutely. I'm just thinking ahead because, you know, when you mention the season ticket there, JP, not only is it going to be a hard sell, you add on top of that the, the financial um, issues and struggles that people have had over the last year as well. You know, people's situation is completely different. Uh, we're not quite sure who's going to be managing the team and who's going to be playing on the park. I mean, the back four, um, as we speak, if Ayer, and I keep reminding people, if Ayer was to leave, the back four at the moment is Ralston, Welsh, Henry and Taylor. That's our back four. Um, in 89 days time the reintroduction of Beaton last night you know I've already said you know imagine our first qualifier and Beaton starts at centre half again we're, we're looking at all these and this is well 
<laughs> we might have to watch this one back, JP. Um, I thought Beaton had gone. You know how El Hamid was out the building, but we didn't really know, and there was rumours, and then next thing you know, he's, he's signed and he's gone. I thought Beaton was in the same situation, in the same boat. It turns up he starts last night. Another appearance which I find quite interesting uh, was Dembele. Now, Declan, we've spoken about Karamoko Dembele since he was about 13 years of age. Did he not play for the development team at 13 uh, when Brendan Rodgers was in charge? He's been a, one of these guys whose reputation um, has gone all over Europe, you know, and I'm pretty sure there's been interest in him over the last four years. We've seen him making his debut as a 16-year-old. We've then seen him making his debut in a European game at 16. He's the youngest player ever to play in Europe for Celtic. Yet this season, of all seasons, when you thought we could be doing with a bit of width, you know, with a long-term injury of James Forrest, he's hardly been seen. He's hardly been seen. So last night, what the, the point... Going back to Griffiths um, that I was making last night, goals and width. That's what Dembele and Griffiths gave us last night. That's what we've been crying out for all season. Declan, have we just seen the, the final remnants of Dembele's Celtic career? Do you think he will move on and disappear into the realms of European football and probably make his name for himself elsewhere? I can't see him being a part of the, the squad next season, unfortunately. I think it's probably gone for him um, which is a shame because he's a, a great talent and I, I think he will have a, a decent career in the game again when he came on last night Celtic were very narrow last night again everything was good through the middle when he came on he, he brought a bit of width brought a bit of excitement a bit of energy a bit of pace a bit of desire something that we've been missing not just last night but but all season so I think it probably is um, probably the end of the line for him but just to pick up what JP was saying there in terms of Borders and what with football, I think that there is some hope. I was kidding on earlier, Paul. I wouldn't like to think I'd skip the queue at Celtic Park. <laughs> um, the, the testing idea that we saw last week in the semi finals of the FA Cup between Leicester and Southampton might be what comes into it. Obviously, now that we've got the travel restrictions lifted a wee bit more, um, they're still chartering COVID passports again. That's going to mean leaving people out. So, I think the more testing you have at football stadiums, the more people will, will start to get in because it it then becomes safe for people to be a wee bit closer to each other. Um, again, Celtic Park's obviously 60,000 compared to some of the smaller stadiums. So hopefully it doesn't come to the case where it is just that radiation around the stadium and that you know, correct testing facilities are in place that we can get as many people in from around the country as, as we can. Mm. Last night, JP, you didn't join us for the game, but uh, we covered Celtic versus Rangers. Uh, the Women's Premier League uh, Celtic have now beaten Rangers twice this season only Celtic team to have done so and what we did is we announced this simply because we were sick of paying for Celtic TV and everything else that we've had to watch this season so we had the, the virtual season tickets and within a state of mind there's quite a few virtual season tickets and we all watched the game at the same time in the same room you know so when you add up the maths it's actually not worth it but you do it uh, Sky Sports Premier Sports BT Sports plus all the various club channels and after everything that's happened we decided yesterday that we weren't going to buy the Red TV 1299 game we weren't going to buy it um, as a small protest um, against the, the capitalisation of the people's sport as they keep reminding us uh, but also we thought you know what there's another game on tonight and we're going to cover that and last night, I've got to say, uh, yeah, we were keeping an eye on the Aberdeen game. Of course we were. Uh, but we watched the game 
JP, it was a bit of a challenge because I, I'm not familiar with all the players, so I had to familiarise myself with the players. And it was very enjoyable to watch. Now, people might be saying, yeah, you're just saying that to be politically correct. I'm telling you, I actually enjoyed it. Celtic won 1-0. Uh, the goal was scored by one of our new signings, uh, Mariah Lee, who is from America. She wears number seven. She came on as a sub. Superb, scored the goal. Rangers were all over Celtic. There was a miss in the 19th minute that was reminiscent of Peter Van Vossen. I'm telling you, open goal miss, all that kind of stuff. They hit the bar twice. Anyway, Celtic won. And the passion was there. Russell Boyce was on the show and he was actually cheering when Celtic scored. <laughs> the passion was there. We wanted them to win. But it begs a few questions. First and foremost, I won't labour this. Some of the comments we got last night were atrocious from Celtic supporters in relation to it was a disgrace that Axon wasn't covering the Aberdeen game and we were covering a game by women. They don't they don't know how to play football, etc. etc. You can imagine the kind of comments. There was a minority, I've got to say, JP. I knew not as many people were going to tune into it, and that's fine. I knew that, but that, that wasn't the point. The point was, as I've described. Uh, but a, a few questions were, were raised. Firstly, uh, a very interesting one. Andy Townsend said recently, JP, that it's only a matter of time. In fact, he says it's inevitable um, that a woman will manage a professional men's team in England. Do you think that day will come? I'd say it's probably a longer, longer way than he maybe thinks himself, but I, I, I cannot see how it won't happen. Um, I don't know, I can put a date on it, but I, I, I cannot see how it won't happen because it's becoming more... Like, this. It feels like at this point in time we're at a fairly, and no disrespect to the women's game, but it feels like we're a bit of an embryonic stage with the women's game. We're seeing like maybe 20, 30 years' time. I think it will be... The, the 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 balance will be closer to being even than than it than it is right now, and um, that's just my that's just my thought. I'm just looking at it from the way that things are going and the way that I've seen it being yep. more kind of uh, highlighted. And you know, obviously, doing that last night was was uh, was great. And I don't understand anybody that would take issue with that because the game last night, if you watched it, it was a, it was a complete dead rubber. Uh, yeah, you had to be twelve ninety nine for it, which I did. I got in from work and you know uh, managed to get logged in just a couple of minutes before kickoff. So um, otherwise, I would have joined you for the for the the coverage and I would have watched it myself. But um, yeah, so I, I I think it's it's uh, it's it's a possibility certainly. From I didn't hear Andy Townsend make those comments, but I, I, yeah. I, I can believe them. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Celtic's only had a professional team for two and a half years, so what you're saying is spot on. You know, uh, we are at a stage of development. They're looking for finance, big TV deal down south, uh, games getting shown live on Alba up in Scotland. But when you look at, for example, the the wages scenario, and there's players in English football at the moment, uh, women's football making more money than uh, men's football in Scotland. And I don't mean the, the Premier League, although you never know, because I know that some of the clubs aren't paying big wages in the Scottish Premiership. But eventually, as you said there, there will be this uh, balance uh, of, of uh, popularity. Uh, and you've got to look also at the development of youngsters. So you can't just say, oh, it's all right for your boy to play, but your girl can't play. So there's a whole development aspect to that. The other thing that, that was brought up before we move on to the, the final points here was that if you buy your season ticket, we get back to normality, Declan, and the women's game's on on a Friday night at Barrafield because obviously they're upgrading Barrafield for the women's game and also the youths, and you watch the Celtic games at the weekend or wherever else they're playing. 
and it's part of your season ticket, would you go and watch the game? Yeah, I think I would. Um, I think women's football eventually is becoming a wee bit more publicised. Um, Celtic are put professional with it, which is a great step. I think I've mentioned before the Women's World Cup a couple of years ago helped it take off massively. Mm-hmm. And um, it's actually quite disappointing. There's still a lot of really bad misogynistic comments coming through. And, you know, as a world and as a society, we need to move on from this. As you say, you can't, you know, if you get two kids, a boy and a girl, say one can't play football and one can, and one will, will make it the game and one, one can't. I, I think that we do need to take that step forward. And I think if Celtic were to include it into your season pass, whether that would be watching it from home or, you know, having a kind of free pass into the games, I think that'd be good. And I think there would be people that would buy into that. Of course, there's a lot more women that go to the football games now. And I think they would certainly take an interest in that. And as a male, I'd take an interest in it too, because at the end of the day, they're playing in green and white hoops. And whoever plays in green and white hoops, I want to win games of football. Mm-hmm. No, you're right. And when they scored that goal, uh, Fran Alonso was going daft on the sidelines. You love to see that passion. We've been going on about a lack of passion, JP. You know, goals going in and Gaffer sitting with their arms crossed and their feet up. Uh, that wasn't the case last night. Has Russell started a bus for Fran Alonso yet? For the <laughs> no, no, but all, in all seriousness, and if he's watching, I'm not saying this to, to criticise you, but Colin did suggest that Fran Alonso should have taken over for Neil Lennon. No. Um, so there you go. That That is a Celtic women's game, and we will be looking at more games between now and the end of the season because there's quite a few getting shown on Alba, in addition to our normal match day coverage. Um, let's look at our next game then. We said, JP, that back in the day, you know, the last game against Rangers often was a bit of a dead rubber. Some might say that it never is against Rangers. Uh, But there was nothing much to play for other than pride. I think that when I look at this game, though, uh, coming up on the the 2nd of May, I'm looking at it and I think, well, if no one else is going to beat them, we're going to have to do it. In the league. I'm talking about in the league because this invincible tag, I'm sorry, I'm not having it. You're invincible if you win the treble, right? But in terms of the domestic league games, no one else going to do it, even if they're getting a couple of penalties or, or, or whatever and taking off them. Um, we're going to have to do it. And I think that should be at the forefront of everybody's mind entering the next game against Rangers. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I would. And uh, it would be interesting to see if James Forrest is fit for it. Um, I, 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 I knew that he wasn't going to make it for the game at the weekend. And therefore, that was going to disrupt the the, the sort of uh, flow that we had against Livingston. And the guy uh, slagged me off and slagged us off for being optimistic going into that game uh, on Sunday. I, I think we all had fairly decent cause for optimism going into that game. I, I, I don't think we were going in with like you know the green white uh, tinted specs to, to you know that we were going in to watch something uh, anything different. You know, Celtic were starting to play well. They created piles of chances in the in the games leading up to, to that game. So we were being we were, we were being creative. So and we'd put six away against Livingston. Yes, I know Livingston are no world beaters and everything else, but they've they've caused us no amount of problems in the past over a number of seasons, I might add, not just this season. So I don't see why there was any uh, sort of madness about being optimistic going into that game. And I I would say the same, despite last night, I would say the same for uh, the game in uh, a couple of weekends' time, they've got to like see the criticism. They've got to see how much we are completely, you know, sort of done with them as players and them as a team. Um, and then surely you want to throw that back in our faces. That's why I kind of predicted Ryan Christie to do it on Sunday, and obviously he didn't. 
But you know, I, I cannot understand how players are not aware of the criticism and don't want to have that, even if it is meaningless. I mean, I know that game is meaningless, but it has the added uh, bonus of, of potentially derailing their invincible season. But I, I just don't understand why that they wouldn't use that as motivation. Shut us up, tell you know, put in a performance that makes us eat our words and mm. you know, we're all going, oh, he's checked out, he's checked out, he's rubbish, he can't finish his dinner. You know, tell us, show us different. Absolutely. Declan, do you think John Kennedy's got it in him to get that out of his players against Rangers? I, I think there was a good point last night that if he'd have given a, a shot to some of the guys that had been featured this scene, you'd maybe go more because, you know, I think people would respect John Kennedy a bit more if he if he took the chance and gambled with a few guys that haven't featured this season and gave them a goal and went out there. Um, I think in terms of, you know, performance-wise and how many shots were ever in goal, there's something there that he's done. But it's just a case of not putting the ball in the back of the net. So it's about that balance. Um, just before we finish, Paul, I'd say to Eddie from the, the Billy McNeil statue that we've mentioned in the pod today, I think it's quite right. It'd been the anniversary of um, Big Billy's uh, two-year anniversary that... The statue committee is now an accredited Scottish charity, so it's so well done to all the guys at the Billy McNeil statue. They've not just built a statue, they're now a, a, a recognised charity and they'll continue to do work in Bills Hill and the surrounding areas uh, in memory of Big Billy's name. So well done to all the guys there. Superb. Uh, we did speak to uh, the team probably about a year ago about their, their fundraising endeavours so it's tremendous that, that they've progressed that it's great to see these statues I think I've said this a number of times every Lisbon Lion should have a statue and if it's not up at Celtic Park then put it in their, the place of their birth or their town where they're, they're recognised I think that would be only fair for a team like the Lisbon Lions it's been an absolutely intriguing discussion once again gentlemen it always is on a Thursday uh, next week it will be 82 above your, your shoulder there I can't reminisce much about that I was too young JP uh, but we're getting closer we're getting closer to the big day I've got to thank everybody for getting involved in the comment section um, on YouTube Facebook and Twitter if you're watching on YouTube make sure to subscribe to the channel we've got loads of good content coming up on a daily basis but all that's left for me to say is thank you once again to Declan McConville and JP Mason for joining me on a Celtic State of Mind Patrizio Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct-to-Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on building trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy, and we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the data you need to grow. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Social Podcast Network. Sports Social Podcast Network. Sports Social Podcast Network.
Sports Social Podcast Network. Sports Social Podcast Network. Sports Social Podcast Network. Sports Social Podcast Network. Network.